Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Another week, another episode. Shelly, how's it going? Good, Serge. Good. Thank you for asking. I'm glad you're concerned. I'm always concerned. That's exactly what I wanted you to say. Thank you so much. We've got a great episode planned today. We have a return guest, someone we spoke to early on in the podcast. So honored to having join us once again is Jeff Dickey Chasens, who owns and runs a consulting company called The Job Board Doctor. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, and thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be back. I, I did want to call out <laughs> something. Your episode was actually our highest listened episode since the start of the Recruitment Flex when you came on with Chris Russell. So we're hoping to double that magic. Your charisma <laughs> just came across the airwaves and everyone wanted to hear about you. Or maybe it was Chris Russell. Maybe. <laughs> and then you're screwed. So, you know, oh, geez. <laughs> I think it, it was absolutely a deadly combo for sure. <laughs> so Jeff, would you mind helping our audience if they didn't listen to those earlier episodes or if they haven't binge listened to our back catalog, if you wouldn't mind just giving our audience a little bit about how you came to be the job board doctor? Yes, this will be the origin story. But sure. Um, actually, I started out in recruitment uh, a long time ago before I got into job boards. I ran a publishing company and probably hiring 100 people over the course of that. So I already knew a fair amount about the process of that. And I got into the job board industry in the late 90s with a little company called Dice. We went public. Yeah. Uh, I exited just before the crash and mm-hmm. worked with some other companies. And then I had this weird idea in 2009 that there were so many job boards and no one was actually working with them in terms of how they run their business. And I kept telling people, I'm thinking about doing this. And they'd say, yeah. And I said, so why is no one else doing it? They don't, they don't know, but you should do it. So I hung out my shingle and uh, it's coming up on year 13 at this point. Wow. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of job boards around the world and just try to help them run better and make more money. What's interesting, so DICE, your old employer today, late breaking news, they invested $3 million in the Muse. Did you know that? No, I had not heard that. I, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I I haven't even read the article yet. I just saw the headline and I had to jump on this call, but I found it interesting because I knew you worked at DICE. Uh, saying that, there's a ton happening in the job board space. So if we mm-hmm. look at, obviously, with ZipRecruiter going to the market, with the earnings happening with Indeed and Zip, with the projections for the rest of the year is at an extreme high, then we've got Google for Jobs making major changes, at least from the external side, starting October 1st. The first thing I want to talk about is a company we're very familiar here in Canada. Job Illico got acquired recently. What was your take on that acquisition, uh, Harris acquiring Job Illico? I thought it was interesting. They haven't been in the recruiting market and they made a statement about that saying this is our, our big move into the recruiting market. And it's an interesting way to get into the market with Job Billico. I mean, they've been very successful over the years and they're probably one of those 
large companies that flies under the radar in the job board world because they're not public and they're not based in the U.S., which seems to you know get all the attention a lot of times. I found it interesting because, and this has nothing to do with the actual business transaction, but you go to the Jobbilico site and they come across as a very progressive company, very diverse, lots of women involved in management as well as men. You go over to the Harris site and it just cracked me up. I go and I look at their top VPs and they have basically nine white guys and one woman. And the one woman is Guess. She's in HR. And you look at the company itself, it's essentially a holding company, but it it looks pretty conservative and it had the list of things it tries to do with its company and right up front, it's make more money. And I think Jobbilico, I'm just guessing, probably hit a, a certain point where being acquired by someone that could really fund them up, like when Indeed was acquired by Recruit, becomes very attractive. It's mm-hmm. a way to take up to that next step. But it was <laughs> an interesting transaction. I thought it was too. I did think that Javilico was going to get acquired at one particular time. And my first assumptions were the big players. But when Harris came into play, I didn't even know who Harris was. I had to look them up. What they're trying to do is what Jobilico has been trying to do anyway. So they've been trying to expand their marketplace in Ontario, then go out west. They've had zero success. They've been very dominant in the Quebec market, which is the second biggest Canadian market. I don't see how an inflection of cash or additional resources is going to make an impact on the rest of Canada. It's just not a brand that's recognized outside of Quebec. And Quebec is always very focused on local companies. And that's why indeed, like they're not the number one player in that market, which everywhere else they dominate. Workopolis never had any traction in that market. They were the third player. So it'll be interesting to see what the next little while, what happens with Jobilico. I think we'll see that they get reacquired two to three years from now from an actual job board player. Um, But I guess that's a prediction. What was your take on, first of all, ZipRecruiter and indeed Boat had massive earning calls in the last quarter. Overall take on that, are we seeing their dominance continue or is just a market dynamic that recruiting is so hot that if you're in a recruitment game, you're going to make a lot of money? Yes, (laughs) it's really both. So they're both riding the market for the pandemic balance. And obviously, Indeed's got its uh, hands in everywhere at this point. And when you're a company like Indeed that tends to execute really well on all the basic stuff, if the market bounces, so does all your revenue. Zip, which is also a company that historically, in my opinion, has executed very well, I think it's more of an issue of now that they're publicly held, The boost was happening before that happened, but I think a lot of excess internal resources were thrown towards making that first quarter look really good. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Whether that's sustainable, I don't know. I know Zip had been very aggressive in their growth and yet weren't quite, in my opinion, hitting the growth rates that I thought they could have. They had a lot of other places where they could have expanded long before trying to go public. But who can argue with a billion-dollar company? Yeah, I agree. So is, is Zip a threat to Indeed's dominance? It certainly could be, but Indeed has got so much more time. And Zip is starting to put their feet in the water in terms of non-North American markets. But in, Indeed has already been there. And Indeed has a model that, 
in my opinion, Zip was aping when they came to the market. And probably 60% of what they're doing is a direct ape of Indeed. And then they had some other twists on it. So if Zip has an opportunity, it's going to be dissatisfaction with Indeed by a lot of Indeed's customers. Having said that, I will say that I'm continually talking to employers. And one of the things I hear from them is Indeed sends me garbage. And they send me a lot of garbage, but they send me garbage, which I've heard about every large job board that's ever dominated the market they, because you get to a certain size and you do. They're making their um, mark by saying, we have more people, we have more traffic, we have more applications, we have this, we have that. So anyway, end of my Indeed rant. <laughs> We're both very familiar with Indeed, and I, I agree with you. I think it'll be interesting what the next five years brings. We've seen in my lifetime, I've seen the downfall of Monster, Career mm-hmm. Builder, Workopolis. So right. at one particular point, they all crumble. It's just how mm-hmm. long can they sustain it? Let's go into Google for Jobs. I've always been a big believer that Google for Jobs is going to disrupt this market, and I thought it was going to happen three, four years ago when they launched, and that hasn't come to fruition because of a horrible candidate experience. They are taking steps to improve that candidate experience and usability of it. Do you think Google for Job is going to have an impact? I think when people ask me that question, what they're usually saying is Google for Jobs going to push job boards out of the market. And so Mm -hmm. the answer to that is no, I don't think so. But look at Google for jobs. Google has for a long time been the ecosystem in which all job boards have to function because it's the discovery tool. And Indeed was the first to really deeply understand that and leverage SEO and search engine marketing to push themselves up to the top. And for whatever reason, Google's re-engaged with the job search market, like you were saying a number of years ago. But I don't think what they're doing now is necessarily trying to disrupt directly with employers. I don't think they want to try to do that. What they want to do is basically make the search part of the experience for jobs on Google better. And it's not altruistic. They want to do it so that they can keep people on longer so they can sell more ads. But they're not necessarily, I don't think, going to get into the job of selling ads directly. They may offer products alongside the Google for jobs box for a job that gets popped to the top or something like that. I was on the fence about this until the latest iteration of Google for jobs came through and they could have gone a lot of other directions. This is actually good for candidates from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And even if they're pushing salary information and direct applying all this other stuff, even if they only get 50% further along than, than we were before, that's good. Because the application process, as you guys well know, is convoluted and and horrible for most people. And anything they can do to make it shorter and whap the ATSs upside the head and say, you can't have a 45-page application, a three-page application will be preferred or you will not be shown. That's okay with me too. Interesting that you bring that up, Jeff, because we've long said that the applicant tracking system is the biggest part of the problem because it wasn't designed by recruiters. It was designed by HR people who hate recruiting and anything that they can do to put more of a distance between having to actually talk to people, HR people will do that. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything that me and my HR buddies wouldn't sit around and talk about. Mm -hmm. But is it really going to have any effect whatsoever when companies have invested how many millions of dollars into this applicant tracking system? 
that requires the 45 minute application process, right? Do you think they really have that much influence? Well, I think the way it's going to play out is the way I've seen it play out, at least in, in the past, is it'll happen on the very top end of the hiring market. The very large corporations that are doing fairly sophisticated stuff, they actually have analytics in terms of how much are we spending, how much are we getting, how many people are applying, all that sort of stuff. And if they suddenly start seeing that all the stuff that's coming out of their ATS is not showing up on the search engines or it's showing up on page seven of the search engines because of the way they've got the application process, someone is going to point that out and say, we don't actually meet the Google schema anymore because of this change they made. And someone will be tasked with fixing that. But then the sort of the mid-tier companies that aren't as sophisticated will find out through articles on HR blogs or perhaps your own program and they'll figure it out. So ultimately, the only ones that will really get screwed are the smaller companies that are using ATSs now because that's better than what they were using, but they still haven't quite figured out how to you know, make them effective. On the topic of spend, I'm wondering if I could get you to comment on the whole use of programmatic. Mm-hmm. And is that a friend to the job board or is it a foe? I think probably you'd get a split answer if you you know put 100 job board operators in the room Half of them would say, yeah, they're friends. And the others would say, no, I'm competing with them. And I think this is very similar to the argument that was made when aggregators first hit the market back in the 2000s. I look at programmatic as a useful tool for getting results that the job board can use to offer to their clients and an alternative way of promoting their jobs for certain types of jobs. There are certain types of openings that just aren't going to be well served by programmatic. If one of your clients is a large company and they have a thousand jobs that all have the same title that they have to fill in 14 different locations, it would have been a good candidate in the old day for aggregators. It's a good candidate now for dropping onto a programmatic network because that's what they really excel at is lots of distribution at a low cost and being able to make the software do the work of deciding when things have gotten enough response. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's going to be a dominant player in the programmatic space? So AppCast, Jovio, then Pando Logic are, are the three that most people think of. Is one just going to rise above the pack? I've been saying for the last couple of years, I think there is a dominant player and that's AppCast. Okay. And they were the first mover and they're very technically focused on what they deliver. And now being part of Stepstone, hopefully, that will be something that will push them into sort of an international leader as opposed to just the North American leader. When I talk to job boards that are using programmatic, AppCast is always the one that's getting most of the budget and producing most of the results in the place they go first. So, Some great advice there, Jeff. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Because I know programmatic seems to still be the most confusing concept. Mm -hmm. When we talk to talent acquisition leaders, they're still like, don't really get it. <laughs> don't really understand like why I would do that. So, well, so thank you. That was a great example. of. I think part of that is the fault of the vendors. Like all the vendors, they come in and say, this is wonderful. It's going to save the world. It's going to change recruiting, blah, 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 blah. The reality is it's another tool and it's a tool that works for certain types of situations. And I think when I've talked to employers, once they get that, 
it makes a lot more sense to them. It's interesting in that side because with aptitudes researched in the US, 95% of clients that did programmatic never went back. They mm-hmm. either increased their spend or stayed at the same level. So in Canada, we're way behind when it comes to programmatic. Probably 5% of companies are using programmatic, Shelly. I don't even know if it's that many. Yeah. Really, I don't. It's a shame. I'm a big believer in programmatic. But it is. But Jeff just said, Serge, it's being used really well for companies like Loblaws Group, where they've got 50,000 people that do the same job in every major center across Canada. So Mm -hmm. that is the perfect application for it. And how many of those types of companies are there in Canada? It would be the big national banks. There's five of those. Mm-hmm. So, and then major retailers, oh, there's five of those. <laughs> so, yes, when we look across Canada, we don't have the population. There's more people in the state of California than there is in the entire country of Canada. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> moving on, I want to ask your thoughts, Jeff, please, on retargeting campaigns. Have you seen much interest coming in the recruitment marketing, recruitment advertising space for? the need for retargeting campaigns? Okay, so I've seen the use of retargeting in two places. So one is where job boards, recruiting sites are using retargeting to re-engage candidates, right? And so Mm -hmm. candidates are coming in and then they get followed by the little ad that just keeps following them around no matter where they go. That actually proves to be fairly effective. And then there's a variant of that, which is the, you reach the site and, the box pops up and says, allow notifications. And if you say yes, bam, it, no matter what you're doing, you keep getting notifications from the site. Those are popular because they are effective. At a certain point, I think retargeting flattens out. It tends to work best for sites that have high traffic with a general mix of jobs, mm. as opposed to a job site for nuclear scientists. And then the second place that I've seen it used is very large employers will use it basically in their recruitment marketing mix. Mm-hmm. So they're working with an agency somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they have the internal capabilities and they're doing their own retargeting based on what happens on their career site and whatever advertising that they're placing out there and having retargeting happen on the basis of that. It's not universally successful, but it tends to be more successful than not. So. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because I used to sell retargeting on uh, Workopolis 10 years ago, and it had a, a fair amount of success. And it really depended on the company, depending on how you retargeted them, but it's a good way to keep you top of mind. So talking about things from the old job board world that are still alive. So retargeting is a little bit of that, but not as much as resume databases. I remember selling a resume database as an end all to everything we did. So you're going to buy your job slots or how many credits, but you're also going to buy the resume database and it's going to bring you all the candidates you want. As still a practitioner, I still use resume databases from Indeed and obviously LinkedIn Recruiter, which is a little bit different. But is resume database something that is going away? What's your thoughts overall on buying a resume database if you're a practitioner? Is it still a business? So before we started recording, we were talking about your youth and my age. Uh, And being as old as I am, I tend to be rather cynical about everything that is purported to be new. 
And the first thing that I think of when people say, are there going to be any more resume databases? LinkedIn is a multi-billion dollar company. It's a resume database. That's all it is. It's optimized in a certain way, but at its heart, it's a resume database. What is Stack Overflow? To a certain degree, it's another type of resume database highlighting certain other types of skills. So no, it's not going to go away, but people are going to keep poking at them and trying to figure out how to put a new face onto an old tool. Because ultimately, when I talk to clients about this, particularly startups, they're saying, should I have it or, or shouldn't I have it? Employers boil down to, to two basic types, in my opinion. You guys may argue about this, but they're the kind that like to put out an ad and have people come to me or, or the equivalent of putting out an ad, doing retargeting, whatever it might be. And then there are the ones who want to go and hunt. I want to go out there. I want to kill something, bring it home, and it'll be mine to eat tonight for dinner. Or maybe it won't be that gory with most hiring situations. But <laughs> the visual in- there, Jeff. Oh my yeah, God. I know. I know. <laughs> you can tell I've been watching too many weird movies. Uh, but I always look at the employer base uh, of a site and I say, okay, so is it primarily the ones that want to post or primarily the ones that want to hunt? And sometimes you don't know. And so you hedge your bets and have both options. But the reality is it's typically going to be 70, 80% sit on their butt, place an ad and hope people come through the door. The pandemic changed that a little bit. It may be a higher percentage of people that are hunting now because they're not getting response, but that tends to not be the primary way that most companies work until they get to be very large. And when they get to be very large, they can support both functions. And so they want both functions. Mm. So that's a very long way of answering your question saying, no, they're not going anywhere, but they're going to look different. We're going to get new paint on them. They're going to have a logo, whatever it's going to be. They're going to call it something else. Look at the Muse. You're talking about the Muse. It cracked me up when those guys launched because all the Muse is, is a job board that focuses on employer profiles. Yeah. And employer profiles have been around since I started in 97, but it's this new cool thing. And uh, ZipRecruiter, when they started, they focused on job alerts. And that was like supposed to be this amazing thing. Job alerts have been around since, you know, dinosaurs roamed the earth. (laughs) So very true. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Very true. And on that topic, did Zip not just recently acquire a company that does employer reviews? That's yeah. been done to death since. Comparably, uh, right? Yeah. Oh, comparably. That's what it was. Yes. Is there any innovation, Jeff? Like you look around. <laughs> no, really. I know you're being cynical, but I like you. I've been in the recruiting business since the nineties. Mm-hmm. Serge was still in high school. He always throws <laughs> that in because I started in 94. Um, and so I have seen I was in all. junior like, high school, by the way. <laughs> So I remember too, like when LinkedIn came out, I was like, oh my God, this is going to change the world because resume databases, like at six months, everything's stale, Mm -hmm. right? What is it that you plan to do with this resume database? Are you going to continually, you know, market to them? Great idea. Who's going to manage that? But for me to own, to keep my data current, Mm -hmm. wow, that was just like, okay, way to go. And then they stopped innovating Mm -hmm. in my mind. Indeed was the same way. They they came onto the market and basically said, we're going to figure out how SEO works and use it. And we're going to take all the jobs we can find from other sites, whether they say it's okay or not. And we're going to put them on our site. Mm-hmm. That was the innovation right there. And I'm not sure it's changed, to be honest. I don't think it has. What gets you excited, Jack, when you look around the, the job board industry? Is there anything happening that is, woohoo, <laughs> some <laughs> innovation? 
So like I wouldn't call programmatic innovation because essentially all it was doing was taking consumer technology that had been around for a decade mm -hmm. and applying it to recruitment. But in the mere fact that someone finally did that, thank you, Chris, I think that was innovative. I actually, even though I make fun of them, I think Zip was innovative in the sense that they looked at the Indeed model and they said, they do some good things, but we want to have more revenue streams and we want to have more of a certain type of focus that at least initially that focused on small, medium-sized businesses. What do they lack? They lack ATSs. So we'll have that in there. We'll get money from job boards through the Zip Alert program. And we'll do all the scraping and multi-posting and stuff that people want to do. So I think in a way, just patching all that stuff together was somewhat innovative. But in terms of technology that I see that's truly innovative, there's not a whole lot. Like Pymetrics is a good example of a company that I think has been innovative, but it doesn't have a lot of impact because it's too high end and it's too mm. complicated. A number of companies that I've looked at and worked with that attempt to do sophisticated matching mm -hmm. have been innovative, but they run into these sort of intractable problems, usually on the candidate side, where candidates are unwilling to give all that information up because of time or because of complexity or whatever it is. And companies are too lazy and the whole thing falls apart. Someone's going to come along and get closer to the ideal of that. But to me, it's like, Two years ago, everyone was saying AI. And two years before that, it was social media, social media. <laughs> <laughs> and so I hear these things and there is some sort of incremental improvement, but I don't see any great leap forward. So I, I think there's been tons of innovation. I think the issue is candidate adoption. Mm -hmm. The other side of it has been recruitment adoption because there's so much noise out there of these incredible tools. I've done so many demos with these providers. I'm like, this is amazing, but it's never going to work because you're not going to be able to get recruitment departments that are very progressive in most cases. There's exceptions, don't get me wrong, to adopt technology that either they don't have the bandwidth to be able to take on and really implement and really execute because they're, they are very reactive. So I, I do think there's innovation, but I don't think there's been innovation that's really broken outside of just the examples you mentioned. So Jeff, always a ton of info. And uh, we always talk about job boards. It's funny, when I joined Workopolis in 2010, everyone told me job boards are dead. This was mm -hmm. coming from clients. And I was thinking, what the hell did I just do? I came to this company <laughs> and it's dying. And here we are in 2021 and we're seeing massive earnings by Indeed, IPO by Zip Recruiter, tons of money in the space. So I guess everyone was wrong. The job board world will be alive 20 years from now, maybe a little bit different. So really appreciate you being on the show. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, Jeff, what's the easiest way? Easiest way is to go to jobboarddoctor.com. There's lots of contact information there. And of course, I would encourage you to sign up for my newsletter that comes out once a week. I agree with that. And I don't know if you noticed, but we use your topics every once in a while as topics for this show. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Jeff. It was great to have you and see you. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk again. Okay. You bet. So, thanks a lot. Thank you. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, 
Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.